The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Today on Curl Call, it's a Daytime Emmys nomination special. Who was nominated? Who was snubbed? And who are the early favorites? Soaps and Depths' Richard Sims is here, and we'll be answering all of those questions and more. There's more today on Curl Call. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Kroll Call. I'm your host, Dan Kroll. I am slightly sidetracked this week. I have been easily distracted by shiny objects. I don't know if that happens to you. Uh, everywhere I've gone so far today, I've seen something that's taken me off of my my planned path, whether it was doing the laundry and stopping in the kitchen for you know, a snack or planning to go out to run some errands to get ready for today's show and getting sidetracked by, you know, signs and uh, all sorts of other things. Does that happen to you? Let me know the last thing that you were planning to do and the shiny object that came along that distracted you and got you off of your path. I'd love to hear your story because I don't want to be the only one that is wandering around from here to there and not getting anything accomplished. I don't know if it is because it is a holiday for some. It, it is Good Friday. Uh, it's Easter weekend. It seems early. Uh, I read somewhere that this is the earliest Easter has been since 1913, I think. I don't know anybody who was around back then to ask. My grandmother, who is not quite that old, uh, did tell me that she thinks that Easter's been in March many, many times. She insists that even the year that I was born, Easter was early. I haven't really mustered up the strength to go and Google it to find out the answer because, again, I have been distracted by shiny objects all day. So every time I've gone to try to do some of these things, well, I've had no luck and haven't had a chance to be able to uh, get done what I've wanted to get done. Uh, you know, a lot of people have off today. So if you are off and choosing to spend your Friday with us here listening to today's show and our talk a little bit about the daytime Emmy nominations and all sorts of other, I guess, shiny objects that pop into our heads. Uh, Thank you so much for doing that. If you're not off, if you're out on the West Coast and you're still at work, well, thanks for taking some time away from your productivity to hang out with us. There's going to be a lot of fun, hopefully, coming up in the next hour. You know that the daytime Emmys are coming up. It's about a month or so away. Add on a couple of days for for good measure. May 1st, they will be held in Los Angeles again this year. I will be there. I'll be on the red carpet. I'll be doing interviews. It'll be all sorts of fun stuff. So even though this year's Daytime Emmys will not be on television as of the time that we're talking. That could change. You will be able to still catch up 
with me and all the things that I see, of course, you can check it out on SoapCentral.com. You can also, more than likely, get some daytime Emmys information from the folks at Soaps in Depth magazine. And as part of a deal that saw us trading some donuts and money, they've sent us Richard Sims for today and, I guess, a third-round draft pick at a future time. He is back on dry land. He is a friend of the show, the executive editor of Soaps in Depth, Richard Sims. Welcome back to land, matey. Why, thank you. Thank you, my land-loving friend. Uh, I'm, I'm actually glad to be back, glad to be here. Uh, you know, I'm not on, you know, I'm, I'm already actually counting down to the next one. I think it's 160 days, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, so enjoy me while you've got me. I was going to say 160 days. So you are planning what? Uh, for folks who are not quite following around, Richard just came back from a cruise. I have no idea where he went. All I know is that on the, the Twitter machine, I saw photos of uh, what he saw from his spot on the back of the boat. I know that there's a proper term for where he was, but eh, it was the back of the boat. It was the Vibe Beach Club area, and I took a lot of crap for that in my household. Um, Charlie and Gary took great pleasure in, in, in the days before saying, oh, you've got to go get your Vibe. Oh, go get your Vibe on, and various some dirty versions of <laughs> that. But uh, the good news was that while I was sitting on the back of the boat in the Vibe uh, Beach Club private adult area, which does sound a little dirty. It does. Um, I, I actually got the latest version of my new book done, so I'm very excited because um, Charlie is editing it now, and I'm hoping I've, what I'd really like is if I could have it out in time for the Emmys, but I don't know if that's going to happen. But sometime in the next month or two, um, I will have it out. So I'm very excited about that. Well, as long as you have it out and aren't pulling it out. That could have gotten you in trouble <laughs> on the Vibe adult entertainment section yeah. of the yeah, boat. Then we could be doing a whole different show because it'll be me calling you for bail money. <laughs> well, don't call me. I, I have an unlisted phone number or something. I, you know, let me ask you, I was talking at the top of the show where today my day has been completely off kilter. Every time that I've gone to do something, I've, you know, gotten distracted by something or found something else that in the way that or to where I was going, and it sort of threw me off my path. Do you find yourself distracted by shiny objects? Do you find yourself easily distracted? Is it uh, an ongoing thing? For me, it seems to just sort of be a lately thing. I don't know why. Um, well, let's put it this way. I almost missed the show because I got distracted by Mario Kart. So, <laughs> so yes, yes, I am very easily distracted by shiny things um, constantly. You know, I, I every morning when I when I get to work and I I take out a little yellow sticky note and I and I actually have to write down a list of things that you know that I need to get done that day. You know, maybe I have to write a cover story or or you know edit a feature or whatever. And even with that list, which may only have a couple of things on it, you know, just the things that I absolutely have to get done no matter what, even with that list, I so easily get distracted. It's, it's ridiculous. And um, I do find it, you know, I do think that it gets worse as we get older. I don't know if it's our attention spans get shorter or our, you know, capacity to, to focus. I don't know what it is, but, yeah, I find it to be a... a a, an increasing problem these days. What were we talking about? Oh, damn. Yes. Um, See? Who are you? <laughs> I wanted to ask you, since you mentioned Mario Kart was almost the reason she didn't make it for today's show, do you have a favorite uh, race track on Mario Kart? 
Well, we just a while ago got Mario Kart 8. We were really far behind in the Mario Kart world for a long time. So we are now working our way through Mario Kart 8. And um, there's actually one, and I can't remember what the name of it is, but it's basically um, one of the things I like about this version of Mario Kart is that not all the races are three laps. You know, there's some that are just one big long lap, some that are like 10 really short laps. And there's one that's a, a, a um, you're basically skiing and, mm-hmm. um, and you go through the woods and you, ju- you start by jumping off of a, you know, a blimp or something. I love that one. I think that one is a lot of fun. I think we need to uh, figure out a way that we can put out some information that if people want to play us online, we can do that. I would be nothing better than having an all soap people uh, racing. I know Kristen Alderson. I know that she's a big Mario Kart person. We could all be in the Mario Kart and all racing each other. And I think they might get some sort of perverse pleasure out of you know throwing turtle shells at us. Just and my that opinion. Won't, and that won't be distracting at all from our daily duties. Oh, look, don't <laughs> want to play. Don't want to play Mario Kart. Woo-hoo! But if we if we play with someone who's even you know remotely affiliated with soaps, that may make it a tax deduction, which then means you can take the game off of your taxes. You know your uh, online playability stuff, all of that. It would be one big tax deduction, and you know it's that As- time of year again. As someone who just this, like literally twenty minutes ago got his taxes back from his his uh, tax person, yeah, I could use some deductions. So I'm all about it. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I don't even like the tax. Well, we don't want to talk about it because I'm sure they'll listen no. and they'll audit me. But whatever, yeah, exactly. I don't like that. And you don't but- want that. Trust me. <laughs> You know, no one really seems to care for the IRS, but there's a segue coming. Follow along. Every awards show always trots out the accounting firm of, you know, Ernst & Young or whoever it is, and it's a big part, and they do that, I'm assuming, to show that the award shows are, you know, legit. But nobody ever really seems to care when they bring out the people who have safeguarded the results of, you know, Oscars, Emmys, Grammys, uh, People's Choice Awards, uh, all of those things. Why don't we like the accounting firms? I don't think it's that we don't like the accounting firms. I think it's that we're just like, oh, yeah, whatever. You know, get on to the next award. <laughs> you know, nobody, nobody cares. Nobody cares about the accounting people. You're right. I mean, you know, I don't believe they do that when, like, you know, the People's Choice Awards. They don't bring out whoever counts all the people ballots in the back. It's just, it just seems sort of, I feel like, it's it's almost like a plug, you know. Like, okay, we have to, we have to, we have to bring out the accounts. You know, we're going to give these three people their their big thrill for the year by trotting them out on stage with their little briefcases. They really should do something to make it more fun. Like, make them dress as their favorite, you know, soap character or game show host or something, so that it doesn't feel like what we all feel like it is, which is just, oh yeah, okay, go get popcorn. Here come the accountants. And I, I guess we have to assume that there are some sort of safeguards in place that these folks really are counting the correct votes and aren't making it up as they, they go along. I say this because I just oversaw the election at my uh, homeowners association where I'm no longer on the board and I was the one counting votes and things like that. But there were other people there, and but I mean, no one ever really checked to make sure that what I was reading off was true. I mean, wouldn't this be a, a potential scam if we find out that, you know, 90 years of Oscars were just made up by somebody on a whim? <laughs> well, it is interesting because, you you know, in order to keep even just something as simple as every every issue in the magazine, we do the reader's poll, you know, basically the top 10 actors, the top 10 um, um, couples, that kind of thing. And 
um, it took us a really long time. We're 20 years into the magazine now, and it probably took us about eight years to get to the point where we could figure out a system where it wasn't easy to scam because, you know, you would have people who, if they mm-hmm. could vote on the Internet, they would they would just, you know, sort of set up a program that would vote for them every two seconds for their favorite or things like that. And so we eventually, we actually moved to a system where you had to vote by snail mail, um, which a lot of people complained about. They're like, what, it's the Internet age, can't vote on the Internet. But we found that it's a, you know, if you're, it's a little bit easier, or I mean a little bit harder to um, scam the results if you vote by snail mail. For one thing, if 75 results, if 75 postcards come in and they're all clearly from the same person, you know, you can just count the one and we make it very clear. We only, we only count one per, you know, address kind of thing. Um, but, you know, no matter, I mean, we, we all want, most of us watch Scandal, you know. Uh, the, on Scandal, they figured out a way to rig the presidential election. So, I, I don't know. Are, 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 are our Emmy ballots safe? There's your question. For folks who are listening, just in general, not necessarily referring to the daytime Emmys, but award shows in general, do you trust that the results are honest? Let us know your thoughts. Tweet at Kroll Call Show. You can also tweet at me, Dan J. Kroll. I'll be reading what you're saying. While we're talking here on the show, because it, you know there are a lot of people who like conspiracy theories, whether it's from you know assassinations on down to... Uh, who wins American Idol? Things like that. I mean, People... I, I actually, I actually do believe in the results. I, you know, because I don't really see, um, you know, whether it's the Oscars or the Emmys, um, these kind of things. I, I don't really see any point in, um, certainly not for that accounting firm, in in doctoring the results. You know what I mean? Um, do, would you agree? Well, I mean, there is money involved in it, depending. There are, they bet on these things in Vegas. I know that, you know, London is notorious for having bet on everything from, you know, when the yeah. royal baby will make their first royal poo to what the names are. So there is money involved. But again, I mean, I don't know. I don't know there's necessarily any reason to uh, make this up. But it doesn't stop people from thinking that things may or may not be legit. So, again... Tweet along. You can send me what you think about award shows and whether or not you trust the results. I'm here chatting with Richard Sims, the executive editor of Soaps in Depth magazine. We are getting to the point now where we're going to talk about some daytime Emmy nominations. Before we get to that, Richard, the daytime Emmys, as of the time that we're talking, are not going to be on television. It doesn't look like it's going to change. It could. Uh, the show may be broadcast on the internet in some way, shape, or form. Last year went really well, as opposed to the year before, where, you know, the the Vine girls were just destroying everything. Are you surprised that they were not able to come up with a way to put the show on the air this year? I am sort of surprised. I mean, I agree. Last year went really well. I was, I thought overall it was a very good um, show. It was certainly better than some of the things we've gotten in the past. And it's it's a little disappointing, you know, more than a little. It's a lot disappointing. And I really was hoping that whether it was Pop, who you know they 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 are broadcasting the soap, so they have an an a, a, an invested reason in wanting to do that. Um, you know, I don't necessarily want to see them broadcast on the internet just because um, you know we that's that's the majority. We've certainly learned, I think, over the years that that the majority of Soap fans probably won't necessarily seek it out there. It's, 
I don't know. It's disappointing. I mean, I'm I'm really looking forward to you know. I think I think the one good thing about it is that while we may not get a broadcast on television or even the internet, um, it does sort of you know you know. I look forward to your coverage. I look forward to our coverage. I look forward to you know it 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 it. it, it I'm not saying it's good for us, but it's. It's great that we will be there and we will be able to provide, you know, an insight into the ceremony and into the red carpet and into the awards that people won't be able to get on the television. So, you know, it, it sucks that it's not going to be on television, but, um, you know, I know that, you know, you and I and, and other outlets that cover the, the soaps and that love the soaps are going to be doing, you know, are going to be giving people the, the coverage anyway, thankfully. I mean, that's for me, I, I sort of echo exactly what you say. I am disappointed that they won't be on television. Um, you know, the Academy had said, uh, I believe they uh, were saying to Michael Fairman and possibly on uh, TV Insider to Michael Logan, that it just came down to money, that they needed to come up with about, give or take, $250,000 to make the broadcast happen. Pop was willing to do the broadcast, but the Academy, which is a nonprofit, couldn't come up with the money uh, and didn't want to, you know, I guess tilt the scales in terms of the the bottom line of the budget sheet, speaking of of taxes and things, to make it happen. So, you know, I don't know if maybe no one wanted to come forward as a corporate sponsor. I do find it interesting that, um, you know, I, in the past, had offered to, you know, do some sort of sponsorship, maybe be the official soap sponsor or whatever. Um, No one ever really took it seriously. So, I mean, to that end, uh, you know, you, you can't really say that nobody's stepping forward to do a sponsorship if you don't entertain all possibilities. Here's my question, and you, you know, I think you're a lot smarter on these things than I am, to be honest. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I'll be interested to hear what you say to this. So, you know, the show is going on. The show must go on no matter what. So there is mm-hmm. going to be, you know, people are going to be there. They're going to have the, you know, the, the setup is basically the same. I don't understand you know, what the difficulty is of actually broadcasting it, you know, because the budget can't change all that much as far as, you know, you're already going to have the people there. You're already going to have the, you know, the tables, the chairs, the, the, the basics of what you would need to have there. And you would assume that, let's say, someone like Pop is going to do it, that they're going to make money on the advertising, so that money would be there. So where is, where is the disconnect? What am I missing? I guess it's paying for all of the things that are involved, you know, the the team, the crew, you're not going to have all of the folks who are doing the technical aspects, the, uh, you know, the TV, the broadcasting fees. Uh, that would be my mm-hmm. assumption. Uh, I mean, I, I'm sort of with you of where does the $250,000 come in? Maybe it really is just in terms of salaries. Um, you know, there, I would think if you're, anytime you go to an award show or gosh, anytime you go to any kind of opening and you see celebrities taking their photos, they have a, a you know, a drop behind them that has the logos of different sponsors and they pay to put their logos on those drops so that when you see a photo of, you know, the Kardashians or whomever, you see Fiji water, you see brownie brittle, you see whatever behind them. And that's a way to get the word out without, you know, doing a traditional commercial. So I would assume that that would offset it. Maybe it's entirely possible that they didn't have anyone. I don't, I don't know. This is all speculation. but. Two hundred fifty thousand dollars honestly sounds like so little money. You know what I mean? Um, it, 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 it it just seems like such a small amount of money to be such a 
a sticking point. I, I, you know, I would think, I would think if I'm, you know, some, some company, you know, Yo Play or whatever, it's, it, it would seem like it'd be worth $250,000, you know, to put it on. I mean, if I'm the sole sponsor, that, that, that just seems like, it seems like such good bang for the buck. If I had $250,000 and they were, and they could call it, you know, the Richard Sims, any awards, I'd certainly do it. <laughs> I think it's funny, though. I mean, you have to admit, there is a, a certain level of humor in the fact of we're saying, eh, $250,000, that's nothing. Like, we could go down and find it under our sofa cushions, uh, you know, in a pinch. That's kind of funny that um, it's still... You can't? Awkward. I must have a much bigger sofa than you do. <laughs> you Or you just don't clean out the change on a regular basis. I have to say that, you know, my commitment to the daytime Emmys from going all the way back, oh my gosh, it's it's a long time now. I mean, Soap Central just turned 21 uh, a couple of days ago, and I've been going to the Emmys for at least 15 years. I have to get an official count of that. My commitment to it has always been the same. In, in fact, I actually kind of want to, on a personal basis, I always want to go bigger every year. I thought that last year, I, I thought that the team that went was really amazing. Um, in addition to, you know, me doing the, the video stuff and, and having Chriselle Staus and Haley Pulos there and doing all sorts of stuff. Haley didn't participate last year because she was nominated. Uh, not nominated this year, she'll be back. Anyway, I'm rambling, but I say that to get to the point of, um, you know, we had uh, Bren doing all sorts of behind the scenes and social media and had folks at home if someone else can't do it, uh, I, I think it's up to then the folks who are really invested in daytime television, not just the soap folks. This goes for, I mean, I don't know if there's uh, Court TV Central or Cooking Show Central. I don't know if there's anything like those out there. But I think it's sort of us to maybe step in and help out in a pinch. Uh, we not, may not be able to do the $250,000 to get it on the air, but why not do the best coverage, have people there who this is their job to cover daytime television, who this is sure. serious, this is their, you know, their, their bread and butter, this is how they earn their living, this is what they know, to get the word out there and do the best coverage. And maybe to then, and no one will really care, I'm sure you'd like to see your favorite give their acceptance speech, but if you give the correct people the proper access They'll be able to provide the photos. They'll be able to give you the interviews that you're not seeing because they won't do a, a red carpet show. You'll be able to hear the interviews and see interviews with the, the winners behind the scenes. So it's sort of, there's a couple of, of blanks that you can't quite fill in. But if you get the right people there and, and give them, you know, unfettered access to doing things, I think that you would be able to not have this sort of uh, missing presence that you otherwise might have when you're not putting a show on television. Just my thoughts. Well, heck, I'm surprised we can't go back to the days when, you know, if you remember, the Emmys originally were on, like, the Dinah Shore show, you know? Let's have let's do them on the Ellen show. Let's do them on, you know... I, I, I don't want to say the talk, because, uh, honestly, I was so kind of turned off by the fact that the women of the talk couldn't pronounce half the names. You know, all of a sudden, Dominic Zamfragna became Dominique. <laughs> you know, it, it, uh, it sort of sort of annoyed me that they... That they, they couldn't pronounce the simplest of names, so I'm not really big on them doing it. But but you know, I'd love to see Ellen take on you know take on the role and say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna broadcast the Emmys. We're gonna we're gonna go old school just like it used to be and do it that way. I think that would be a blast. Well, let's get to some of the nominees because we've we've talked about the Emmys. We've talked about um, you know as of right now. Folks can tune into their favorite soap outlets to be able to 
keep up on what's going on at the daytime Emmys. And, you know, I think that it would actually be kind of funny to have you there. I know that, you know, competition, blah, blah, blah. But it would be very funny to have you there, you and me, and just create some sort of craziness for the daytime Emmys. But Oh, my God, that would be so much fun tag teaming. But let's start off. Let's, you know, let's the easiest way with the drama series. You and I had talked before the nominations came out. I, I quick sent you a message, said, do you think all four will be nominated or will they do the unthinkable of leaving, you know, one person or one soap out of the outstanding drama series? All four soaps were nominated. Is that a surprise to you that all four made it? Did you really think that they would cut one? Well, <laughs> it's a double-edged sword question. No, I am not surprised all four shows made it in the outstanding drama category. It seems, you know, there's only four shows left. But what is surprising is the shock that when it came time for best writing, only Mm -hmm. three of the four shows were nominated. That made no sense to me. I do not understand why you would say, okay, there's only four shows. Let's give them all the the drama nom. Let's, let's let them fight on an even field, but you wouldn't do the same thing for writing. I mean, that just seemed like a really, that just seemed like a real slap, you know, I I was really surprised by that. And is it possible that for whatever reason, just in that category, that the soap that wasn't nominated, which is Days of Our Lives for Outstanding Writing Team, is it entirely possible that for some reason it was just so far behind in the balloting that it didn't, you know, uh, fall into the the plus or minus uh, percentage of of error? You know, I suppose it's possible, but it would seem odd that that would be true in the, generally speaking, now this is not always true, but generally speaking, the show's tend to submit either the same or certainly very similar in best drama and writing. They, they, they tend to submit a lot of the same stuff. And it would seem very odd that it would not, that the same thing wouldn't happen in the drama, in the, in the outstanding drama category. You know, I don't know. I, I don't really understand it. And it, it, it was sort of for me, the biggest surprise. I mean, the biggest surprise in this whole thing came long before we got to the nominations, which was the pre-noms, when, for me, the biggest shock was Carla Mosley not getting mm-hmm. a pre-nom. You know, I mean, that was the most buzzed story that was, you know, and Carla Mosley is, is a fantastic actress and did such a beautiful job with, with, with uh, this, this, this potentially difficult, controversial storyline. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on backstage, a lot of political stuff and how all the nominations happen and all that, and how... How this failed, how the system failed to nominate Carla Mosley is, for me, the biggest, you know, the, the biggest story of the Emmy year so far. And that goes all the way back to the prenom. So, of course, she didn't get a nomination because she didn't get a prenom. But that was, that was sort of shocking to me. I will agree. I think that that was, for me, was more of the story when the pre-nominations came out, uh, especially since I think... You know, a, a lot of the Bold and the Beautiful's nominations this year, and, and I don't know all of the reels that were submitted at this point, but I'm going to have to guess that the reveal that Maya is transgender is going to factor into a lot of their material that they submitted in the drama series category, in the writing category. I could be wrong. I haven't gotten all of those reels information oh, yet. Oh, I, I agree 100%. There's... 
There's no way they won't. I mean, just just based on what we've seen in the past, you know, what they tend to submit. Um, you know, Bold and the Beautiful does does a great job. They have a very, they're they're very very good at selecting reels, and and they almost always go with something that's you know sort of social issuey. Mm-hmm. Um, they've you know in the past they've done they've done Stephanie's uh, cancer and her death. They've done they so it would be it, it would just be sort of shocking if they didn't go with with those episodes for writing and, and and drama. I don't know what they'll go with for directing. Directing they sometimes go a little different, but certainly for writing and drama that's that's the direction to go. So yeah, it, it it's it's just sort of it's just sort of surprising. And it seems I like have a feeling that every single time that if they do win, you know, let's say let's say they win for writing, or let's say Jacob Young wins. Um, I have a feeling that you're going to hear Carla, Carla Mosley's name spoken a lot that night, uh, both on the red carpet and on the stage. It's sort of, for me, you know, obviously, I, I think that the non-nomination or just the non-nomination uh, is glaring. But, you know, on some level... This is just me speaking as someone who, who can't really put myself in that position. But I would think there does have to be some satisfaction that almost everyone else in the story seems to have been nominated that on Emmy night, if they do win, um, you know, while Carla should have been nominated, certainly, I, I think that there would have to be some sort of satisfaction of, you know, <laughs> Uh, not give me a nomination, huh? And, you know, have everyone else who was in the storyline clean up. It's not the same, but for me, uh, just me putting myself in that position, I would, you know, I'd feel a little cocky about that. Like, so, you know, don't give me your nomination. Everybody else well, won. Well, not, <laughs> only, not only that, but I'll tell you this. Carla Mosley is one of the sweetest, most down-to-earth people on the planet. And, and you know, she is such a good person that she would, she's one of those people who, not like me, you know, I'm not. I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, I'd rather see you win. I'd be like, no, I want that damn award. I, I suspect that she would be perfectly happy to see the show win, see the show get the recognition, see the storyline that you know that she really worked so hard on and invested so much in, and that really, you know, they they really wanted to put this positive message. I think she would be perfectly happy to see all that win, and and say, I'm okay with you know, sort of taking a back seat here. She's a better person than me. That's all I'm saying. Well, a lot of people are a <laughs> Go ahead, say, who is it? Who is it? <laughs> I know some that are only because they're very young yet and haven't had a chance to be corrupted by, you know, the world <laughs> as a whole. They are nominees in the Outstanding Younger Actress and Outstanding Younger Actor category. Just quickly, I will read off some of the names. We have Rain Edwards from The Bold and the Beautiful, Hunter King, the Young and the Restless, True O'Brien, Days of Our Lives, Ashlyn Pierce, The Bold and the Beautiful, Brooklyn Ray Silter, General Hospital. Two of those characters, uh, two of the actresses in that category play characters who are, you know, deceased. Uh, one of them, Rain Edwards, played into the storyline that we just talked about on The Bold and the Beautiful. On the outstanding younger actor, we have Taquan Richmond, General Hospital, Pearson Foday, who's in a, a volcano at the moment from The Bold and the Beautiful, Max Eric, The Young and the Restless, Brian Craig, General Hospital, and Nicholas Bechtel from General Hospital. I'm happy that some really, truly younger people, that would be Brooklyn and Nicholas, got nominated in the younger category. Normally it's, you know, 24-year-olds just under the, the, the cut. It's nice to see little people. 
It is. I don't think that's the correct term for them, but it oh. is. Um, I, you know, I have to say I hate this category because <laughs> it's just so unfair. You know, like, like you know, Brooklyn, Brooklyn and Nicholas are the cutest things, and they're both very talented. But should they be judged against, you know, some of the stuff that people who are far older and more experienced are doing? You know, I mean, you look at some of the performances and, and it'll be interesting to see how Brian Craig does this year because I think next year he's already got locked in with some of the stuff from um, Morgan's commitment uh, when Morgan was committed a few weeks mm-hmm. ago. Um, I, uh, but, you know, like, like how, does, how do you compare the cuteness scale to the, the level that you're going to get from someone who's doing, you know, a transgender story like Rain Edwards or who's doing, you know, a, a bipolar story like, like Brian Craig. That's, that's tough. It's really tough. So what do you suggest, that they make a really younger actor category? Boy, you know, the funny thing is there really aren't enough to do that. There aren't enough actors to do that. I, I don't know. I, I honestly do not know what the answer is. Can't we just give out, like, you know, okay, and now we're going to troop out all of the adorable actors and give them <laughs> awards, and then we'll move on to the, you know, to, to the, like, 15 to 24-year-olds. Oh, that seems to be sort of uh, patronizing. Uh, and, I know. Uh, I, well, one I of our little you called them little people. Well, because they're not full sized people yet. They're just little. Anyway, one of the listeners, uh, Liz Arnold, had said that all four soaps being nominated is like all kids getting a trophy. That's just what you suggested. You want to give all the kids, all the little kids a trophy. But I agree with you. So, folks out there, if you're listening as we're talking about the daytime Emmys. Why not offer your suggestions? Do you think that it is fair for, you know, a 10-year-old whose storyline is mommy coming back from the dead or losing their their parent? Do you think that it's fair to pit them against a 20-something who, for example, is suffering a mental illness and is getting, uh, you know, going crazy and has pictures of somebody that they want to off in their closet? Now, I will say this. There are 10-year-olds in this industry who are better than 20, 30, 40, and 50-year-olds in this industry. Not naming any names, but there are. That's all I'm saying. But you know what? We've sort of glossed over something in our conversation, and I think we need to back up a little bit. I think we need to go back to uh, the outstanding drama series where, you know, we have all four shows, The Bold and Beautiful Days of Our Lives, General Hospital, and The Young and the Restless nominated, and without knowing what they've submitted. Now, see, I think this is the way it should be. I think that they should have people who actually watch the shows year-round and panels of people like that, people like you, people like I, who, who, who actually know the shows and judge them based on the whole year, based on one reel, because anybody can have a good reel, any show, any actor, mm-hmm. anybody. You know, I could put together a good acting reel based on my work oh. in Shark to Chronicles, too. So, but... but but looking at the year as a whole, who do you think would walk away with the Outstanding Drama Series Award? You are hearing Richard Sims of Soaps in Depth magazine. I am Dan Kroll. Welcome to Kroll Call. If you are just tuning in, we are talking about the Daytime Emmy nominations, and I have been posed a question. I usually don't answer questions because it's my show and I ask them. But I would have to say, judging from 2015, going, you know, January to December, I would say it would have to be The Bold and the Beautiful. 
I think that they put in, if you're going year-round, I think that their level, uh, I, I don't think that it had as many peaks and valleys. I think that they had a much better consistency for the total year, um, be it serious stories or whether it be things that are kind of funny. Uh, that would be my pick. I think I would vote for The Bold and Beautiful, but I'm not eligible to vote. So, there, I mean, on the, on the Emmys, I vote in everything else. Yeah, I am not a, a eligible to vote for the Emmys as well, but I would also agree. I think that I think the Bold and the Beautiful, you know, is is a wildly consistent show. You know, it sometimes gets in little ruts, and it sometimes, you know, one of my complaints of it in the past, which is really doing a great job of avoiding right now, has been when it gets sort of in a one storyline rut for a while. Um, but but you know, that is a show that knows what it is, and it and it has consistently known what it is from for really all the way from the beginning, you know, it's, it's remained loyal to what it is, uh, as opposed to some shows that sort of go through little identity crises every couple of years and try and become something else. And, and I think 2015, you know, was a good year. And, and obviously, I mean, they're going to submit, we know they're going to submit uh, some of the stuff from the Maya storyline. And, and that's going to be really, I think that's going to be hard to beat. Um, both from the point of view that it was good soap opera and from the point of view that I think as a voter, you look at that and you're like, well, you know, geez, what am I, I'm, I'm going to vote against this? Uh, no. So I think, I, I agree. I think that's, I, I think that's a winner there. And to let everyone who is listening know, we will have more of a predictions special coming up as we get closer to the daytime Emmys after we're able to sit down and sort of digest all of the reels that were submitted. So stay tuned for that. We'll give you a date. It's usually the Friday before the Emmys and looking at my Kroll calendar here that would put it around about April 29th. So probably on April 29th, you'll hear a daytime Emmys prediction special. Richard will be here. We'll open up the, the door for other and, folks to, yes? And yes. honestly, that does, and honestly, that does make a huge difference. There have been many a time when we look at the nominations and we think, oh, you know, we, we kind of assume what somebody or, or a show is going to submit. And we say, you know, in our own, you know, private conversations, Dan and I talk quite frequently and, and we will say to each other, you know, oh, seems like this is a lock. This person's going to win. And then you see what they actually submit. And sometimes they don't submit what you assumed they would, or sometimes they pick a reel that, you know, might feature someone else more strongly than it does the person who's real it actually is. And, and it really can impact how we feel about, um, you know, what, what shows and what actors uh, should win. Before we move on, just in the two categories that we talked about, younger actress and younger actor, are any of those nominees a surprise to you? Um, you know, I can't really say that any are. I mean... I I don't remember what Taquan Richmond had in 2015 as material. I know right. the year before I picked him to win because I thought he did a really great job in his reel. I'm just sort of blanking on what TJ's story was in 2015. Right. Well, that would... Remember, remember, in these situations, it comes down to do they have one good reel? Of course. You know, it's really less about a story than, I mean, if they can submit the one episode where, you know, Molly and TJ went to have sex and got busted or whatever, that and there you go, you've got a reel. Um, it, it, sometimes, 
sometimes in the categories, it comes down to a game. You gu- I guarantee you there are games being played backstage where, where they sit down and they say, well, we, you know, we don't have anybody to submit in this category, so let's submit this person then. We could submit them, we could submit this person under supporting actor, but instead let's put them in lead and let's take this person out of lead and put them in supporting. It's, it's almost like they have a, uh, you know, one of those, those uh, marquees that you see at the theater when you go in and they're sort of rearranging the names to see who's going to go where. So, so I, you know, it may just be, I mean, I'm trying to think, was there another young actor on the show? Well, actually, I guess Chad Duell. But, I but think Chad, he's aged out. Right. Yeah, he probably has. So it could just be that, you know, they had some decent material for him. They had enough for a reel anyway. And, and they didn't have another actor su- to submit in that particular category. So, Quan, if you're listening, tweet us. Let us know what was in your reel. Would love to find out. We'll love to see you on the red carpet. Let's move to supporting actor and actress just because we have to because the show is running on without us. In Outstanding Supporting Actress, the nominees were Laura Lee Bell, The Young and the Restless, Jessica Collins, The Young and the Restless, Lindsay Godfrey, The Bold and the Beautiful, Peggy McKay, Days of Our Lives, Melissa Reeves, Days of Our Lives. Did I say Peggy McKay or did I say Melissa? Whatever. I thought I, I got a, this shiny object there. Peggy McKay, Days of Our Lives. Melissa Reeves, Days of Our Lives. Shiny objects. No General Hospital nominations in there. That's sort of interesting. Well, yeah, it's, it's interesting. And it's also, what's the word I would use? Baffling. You know, <laughs> I, I, I don't understand... I don't understand how some of the actors from General Hospital don't end up in some of these categories and, and how some of them are just completely overlooked, you know, in any category. Um, you know, there's, there's, and again, it's, it's sort of interesting that, um, you know, Sean Blakemore, who, you know, isn't on the we show anymore, really. We didn't, get to the, I mean, we didn't get to the supporting actor. We're not there yet. One oh, moment. yeah. I'm sorry. But I, I wanted to, to sorry, zip in sorry. there. None of the, uh, there were actually no pre-nominees from General Hospital in the Outstanding Supporting yes. Actress category Which, either. Which, again, so. how does, again, how does, it, how does that happen? How does, you know, Rebecca Herbst or, or, or Kelly Monaco, how do they not end up in some category, whether it's, whether it's supporting or lead or, you know, they, they are arguably the two, the two actresses who sort of, uh, uh, carry that that storyline, and yet none of them end up nominated. I don't. I don't really understand it. Uh, Maybe they picked the wrong category. I mean, when you look at supporting actor, let's look at these names as well: Sean Blakemore, General Hospital; Steve Burton, The Young and the Restless; Brighton James, The Young and the Restless; Jacob Young, The Bold and the Beautiful; and Dominic, yes, Dominic Zampronia, General Hospital. I would say, with maybe one exception. Uh, those are what I would consider truly supporting actors in that they may not have had the biggest part of the story, but they, they fit in and really shored up a much larger storyline. So, I mean, maybe it's the, the ones that we mentioned. Maybe they just submitted in supporting and people are like, no, you know, Sparkle Pony, you should have been in lead. That could very well be. That could very well be. Um, and, and, and sometimes when a show has a plethora of, you know, let's face it, a lot of these shows have just a lot of really top-notch actors, you know. And so when you've got, when you've got you know, Rebecca Herbst and Kelly Monaco and Laura Wright and Nancy Lee Gron and, you know, the list goes on and on. When you've got a lot of strong female actors and you only have so many slots in which to put people, 
not everyone is going to make it. And, and I suspect that that is sort of a case of what happened here is maybe some people ended up for whatever reason, whether their own choice or the show's choice in, in a category that maybe they shouldn't have been in. They could also cancel each other out. You know, it's, it's really hard to say. Um, uh, it would be great if there was more transparency into the whole process. If we knew, you know, how many votes each person got, or we had some sort of way of looking at it and understanding both the pre-nom situation and the actual nomination system. I think it would also be interesting, too, for maybe moving forward, for the Academy to open up the online voting process to members of the media to not vote. I mean, I I think that we should, but taking that out, if, if, you know, there's a union reason for that, at least allow the media to be able to go through and see the process, see how everything was going. I remember that one year there was, uh, I want to say that it was actually Michelle Stafford. Uh, the reel that the show provided had some audio glitches in some of the things that were sent out. This is just me remembering. I may be incorrect. No, um, you're, like, you're right. I believe it, I believe it was it, Stafford. It was visually that, you know, the, the quality was off or the sound wasn't quite right. It was off and it may or may not have impacted. So certainly, you know, having someone in who's neutral to be able to look at these things would be, uh, would be interesting and also to know what people have submitted. But I mean, I think that there's so much about the process that isn't quite known uh, that, you know, I guess you run the risk of there being people who would then blab because they may not honor confidentiality agreements. But it would be nice to be able to go in and see that because there are, I mean, there were some really good reels in terms of what people are saying. And you have someone, uh, Jacob Young did an interview with us for Soap Central, and he had mentioned that he had his reel put together and at the last minute his gut just didn't feel it, and he switched out one of the scenes that was in there. And he ended up getting nominated for supporting actor. He may have gotten, you know, a nomination even if he had left the other one in. But there's so much that can change based upon that. What you know, what one person is looking for. When you look at people make predictions, everyone is watching the same reel, but some people react differently. So it's entirely possible that for much of these, that what we look for is not necessarily what someone who is an actor looks for when they're judging or, or voting on another actor's reel. Well, and there's also, don't forget, the situation where, let's say, let's say you have, have, let's say there's five actors in the category, but you have three who are, you know, who have really strong reels. Mm-hmm. And you, you could have a situation, or let's say there's two who have really strong reels, and you could have a situation where those two actors who have actually the strongest reel and get the most votes but they cancel each other out. And so a third actor who no one would expect to win and who really probably doesn't have that great a reel winds up being able to, to sort of win by default because the other two divided the vote. I mean, you know, you just, you just never know how these things work. And it's also worth noting that, you know, um, a lot of times when people don't show up in prenoms, uh, they, they, um, it's, it's their own choice. For example, um, Scott Clifton this year. Now, I would think of Scott Clifton as certainly being nominated, nominable, nominatable <laughs> in, in either lead or supporting. I mean, he is one of the major players on that show. He personally did not feel that he had stuff that was worth submitting, so he decided not to submit. Part of it was that, and part of it was the fact that his wife will be having their baby, and, yes. you know, right around the same time as the awards, and maybe, and, and, and he wanted to focus on that. 
But he admits, you know, he's like, you know, and, and, and it's interesting that someone who we might think of as definitely a lead or supporting actor nominee based on the amount of material they got can look at that and say, yeah, you know, I did have a lot of material, but I didn't necessarily have an episode or two episodes that I thought were worthy of, you know, uh, that were that were worthy of submission. And, you know, he's a very humble guy. He's very, you know, he would not want to take someone else's spotlight if he mm-hmm. didn't think he had the, 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 the best material. Let's quickly get to lead actress and lead actor. There are some new names in these categories this year, which is always nice to see, you know, things get uh, a little bit of a, a shakeup. Tracy Bregman, The Young and the Restless, Cassie DePaiva, Days of Our Lives, Mary Beth Evans, Days of Our Lives, Finola Hughes, General Hospital, Mara West, General Hospital, those are your lead actress nominees, lead actor, Tyler Christopher, General Hospital, Anthony Geary, of course, General Hospital, Justin Hartley, The Young and the Restless, Christian LeBlanc, The Young and the Restless. I was sent an email or a phone call today for somebody who was looking for Mr. Jenny LeBlanc. I don't know if it's any relation or not, <laughs> but it, just an odd point. And Christoph St. John, the Young and the Restless. So there are three YNR, two GHs in lead actor, and we have uh, two days, two GH, and one YNR in lead actress. Um, I, it's nice to see Mary Beth Evans get a first acting nomination after a, an extremely storied career, and she actually got a second one for uh, The Bay as well. But it's nice to see her there. It's nice to see that Justin Hartley was nominated. He truly was uh, a lead in The Young and the Restless, Tyler Christopher, who uh, you know we've, we've watched, I think, for about 20 years now on GH. Nice to see him uh, represented in lead actor. So it's sort of an interesting category, two categories this year. It is interesting. I mean, I, uh, Justin Hartley is the one that I have to say I was really hoping to see show up because um, not only because I just think he's a phenomenal actor, but because... In he stepped into a you know he stepped into a difficult role. He stepped into not only a role that is, you know, that immediately put him front and center, but that there was controversy about the recasting and it's a recast and and you know recasts can be very hit and miss, especially when you're recasting a popular actor. It's very difficult sometimes for the audience to accept someone new in that role. But he really is is one of those cases, um, sort of like Peter Bergman when Peter Bergman stepped into the role of Jack. He's one. Uh, Justin Hartley is one of those cases where he just immediately hit the ground running and sort of made the character his own. And even people who who vowed that they would, you know, they would never accept an Adam recast. Michael Muni was the only man they would ever accept in the role. Have really, I've seen people turn around and be like, okay, I have to admit, he's he's a fantastic. Uh, he's you know he's done a fantastic job of stepping into this part. So I was really 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 happy to see him in the category. And actually, it's a really, it is a nice category. It's, it's interesting because a lot of the names that we're used to seeing there aren't necessarily there. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing, you know, to see sort of a little bit of a changing of the guard every few years instead of seeing the exact same five people show up year after year after year. Well, I mean, to that, Anthony Geary is there. He's going for a ninth daytime Emmy in the lead actor category. Uh, assuming that they submitted the anniversary episode, it's entirely likely that he could win a ninth Emmy, which is, uh, I mean, I can't even imagine winning one, uh, partly because I'm not an actor, but uh, I can't imagine winning nine of anything. That's sort of kind of amazing. 
I won nine gumballs once, but that's <laughs> besides the point. But uh, it'll be interesting because, you know, if, if Tony wins, fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, nine Emmys, you know, great way to end his, his literally legendary run. I mean, it's easy to use the word legendary and iconic, but, you know, rarely are they accurately used. And I think both of those are accurate words for Tony Geary. Um, you know, he changed the face of daytime in many ways. If he doesn't win, it could be almost as interesting because, of course, if there's one thing soap fans love, it's to, 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 to spin conspiracy theories and talk about these things. And, of course, you know, in the wake of when he left the show, there was a little bit of controversy around his exit and some things he said and some interviews he did. And, and you know, there's a possibility, you know, there's always the possibility that that kind of thing can linger and that people watching the reel can be like, you know, it could be the best reel on, on the planet. And you might look at it and say, yeah, no, I'm, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to give it to him. He, you know, I didn't like the things that he said. Uh, and that's not just with him. It can be with anyone. But in his case in particular, there was quite a bit of, you know, sort of strom and drong around his, around his exit interviews. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. It is interesting. You know, I've always wondered to the same effect, and I see that we're, we're running short on time here, but I've also wondered, too, if people take into consideration when people have left a show as a reason to vote because it seems like a lot of people who uh, seem like they should have won an Emmy never do, never do, never do, and then when they leave the show, that's the year that they end up winning an Emmy. Now, Tony Geary, I mean, he's already won, so it, it may take that out of out of play, but I never know why people really vote. Do people look for the material? Do they look for something else? Do they just, you know, randomly put a bu- push a button, which I don't think anybody would do? I don't know. It's it's an interesting voting process. That's a process. great question, and and that could come into play. Like for example, Jessica Collins. You know, Jessica Collins is not with the show anymore. Um, she's she's nominated in the supporting actress category. Uh, you know, again, there are so many. Uh, things that go into who wins, you know, it's, it's the reels, it's the climate, it's the, you know, it it could come down to, you know, the people in the room at the time that you're watching and you you get distracted by a squirrel and not see the amazing moment in that performance. Squirrel, squirrel. Exactly, exactly. Shiny things, shiny things. So it's, it's, you know, we've all seen the years where someone wins and the audience is like, what? Um, and, and given the nominees this year, there's certainly in various categories is the potential for that to happen again, where people are sort of like, and it, again, it could be that the votes are split. It could be that the person it's had one really fantastic reel. Definitely so, true. And we have about a minute to go. And, you know, like I'm, I'm easily distracted in a store when someone says, you know, uh, Mrs. Smith, your prescription is ready to be filled. I'm like, ooh, I'm not Mrs. Smith, but I, I pay attention. Richard, in the 30 seconds that you have, let everyone know where they can find you. Oh, hit the internet. I'm there. Um, how rude are you is my personal Twitter account. And of course I do the tweeting, the live tweeting for uh, Soaps in Depth ABC and Soaps in Depth CBS. You can also find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Trelsey, T-R-A-L-F-I-E. Or just hit Dan up or hit, you know, throw someone at the internet saying, anybody know where Richard is? And someone will point you in my direction. 
bless your heart. You're so sweet with your Twitter machines and everything. I want to let everybody know that if they've missed today's show, they can check it out in the archives at curlcall.com when they get a chance. You can share it there. Tell all your friends. Richard, thank you so much for hanging out and chatting about the Emmys with me. I can't believe how quickly that hour went. <laughs> it really does. It's shiny objects. We started to, you know, the plan was to talk about daytime <laughs> Emmys and sure enough, all sorts of other things. Hopefully, for those of you out there who are listening, we did do the daytime Emmy process. Uh, a little bit of justice, you know, about who was nominated. We talked about them, shared our thoughts, shared our thoughts on the process. We will have more leading up to the daytime Emmys, which will be May 1st. I was going to say which will be airing, but they'll be taking place. We'll tell you how you can get all the information. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. I want to hope that you will join us the next time because the next time the phone rings, pick it up. It could be someone giving you an Emmy nomination or it could just be the Kroll Call. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. 